Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 71. Chaz here with you as always. The crew is here with you. Seth, how's it going? Going good. Very good. We got Eternal Masters, an exciting set coming up, so good week. Yeah, Eternal Masters. We have some good fish mail. Uh, it's Memorial Day as we're recording. Richard, how's it going? It's going very well. Very well. Enjoying your day. Yeah, we're going to talk some Eternal Masters. So really excited. We have the full spoiler. We just wanted to get a general overview. Uh, the crew just wanted to go over the, the set with everyone. We want to go over some fish mail. And that will be about it this week. Uh, we want it, Kind of a shorter cast. Uh, everyone just wanted to enjoy the holiday. We hope you do as well. Uh, but... Yeah, let's just jump right into Eternal Masters. So we have the whole set spoiled. Uh, I'm sure if you follow any of us or all of us on uh, social media outlets, you've seen some of our comments about the set already. Uh, so I'm just going to open it up to YouTube first because I, I, I think I need a little time to uh, <laughs> talk about green in general. That's kind of like the glaring thing for me. But uh, overall, I think it's... It's r- solid. It's definitely a a master set in in what we've started to get used to with uh, Modern Masters 2015. It's really similar, but uh, I want your takes on it. You just wrote up an EV article, Seth, uh, so it's looking all right. But let's let's hear a little bit, a little bit more, uh, Seth. What what are your thoughts? Well, the set itself, I think, looks pretty sweet. Um, it definitely went downhill a bit from the start of spoiler week till the end everyone was kind of freaking out monday and tuesday when we saw jace and crocus and mana crypt and all these expensive rares and then it kind of went out with a whimper with a bunch of bulk rares and like call the skybreaker and oh. just random stuff so i think this set looks really good and i think it's going to be a really good limited format by looking at it i really appreciate that they made a point of putting some value at uncommon this time unlike modern masters 2015 there's actually a good number of chase or like semi chase uncommons in the set uh which is definitely nice so if you crack a pack your odds of getting something decent are much better than with modern masters 2015 uh overall though the ev is slightly negative uh with the way that i calculate it i think that on average you're gonna you're going to lose some money. The good news, hopefully, will be that the price of a box will drop. I think it went up really high because of the early spoilers and it looks so valuable. But now that people are realizing that the EV isn't insane, it's just moderate, hopefully boxes will be back down to MSRP and people will actually be able to pick them up to draft with them because it looks like a great limited set. Yeah. Actually, you, you sent out a tweet, Richard, that you, you saw boxes already starting to drop. So, yeah, I, I just we just want your take, too. But I just uh, just wanted to mention that. Yeah, uh, boxes. Maybe people read the EV article and saw that they were being a bit irrational. But uh, I don't know. The, the foil force of will lottery is, uh, <laughs> is quite the game. So I think we'll see people still playing it. It's just like foil yeah. goif, right? It's... You know, probably there's nothing in this pack, but just maybe, just maybe there's a $400 <laughs> card sitting in here. So, um, you know, I think Seth hit it. Uh, overall, Monday and Tuesday were crazy last week. Uh, we hit all of the kind of the highlights of the set in last week's podcast. And then as the week went on, we kind of fizzled out and ended up with uh, World Gorger Dragon and Sphinx <laughs> of the Steel Wing. We got it. 
We got it. Uh, but I think this set's pretty good. The, all of the uncommons and rares that they spoiled, the, you know, the downshifted ones, uh, they're pretty sweet. All the new art. Uh, there's a lot of new art in this set. I think that's pretty sweet as well. Uh, what, I, what I didn't like was how they kind of just gave Moto players the finger. Like, the only card we needed, like, literally the only card we needed in the set was Rashad and Port. 200 ticks online, right? Black Lotus is only 150. So a play set of Rashad and Ports is 800 tickets, and they couldn't include it in the set for us? Like, why? That was the only card worth anything on Magic Online, and it didn't come, so... Uh, they're really focused on paper, and I, I, I'm hoping... You know, there's going to be some promo or some special set or something with Rashad and Portamoto because it's actually skewing the metagame. No one can afford to play Death and Taxes. It would be conspiracy too, <laughs> but I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. <laughs> Just an example of how ridiculous the Moto market is. I'm pretty sure we didn't get Rashad and Port, but I'm pretty sure when the set was spoiled, I think Days was maybe the most expensive card on Magic Online in the set. <laughs> like the market, it's a common that's worth like two bucks in paper. And that was like the most expensive reprint, or at least in the top like two or three when the when the sets were spoiled. It's dropped since, but yeah, um, yeah. I think both of you really. I, I'm kind of getting the sense we all agree here. It, it's definitely overall very good. I like the new art. Uh, Seth and I actually went over that. You'll you'll see that here soon. It was really fun. Uh, but yeah, a couple of a couple of the thing like a couple of things kind of were a little awkward to me, like. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I kind of just looked at green as a whole. I mean, the mythics were fine. I mean, mostly the mythics were fine. The rare, you got some good rares. So, it, uh, Seth, you and I talked about this early on. Um, yeah, that, that first two days was crazy. And then we started to get a, a little bit more. And as the week went on, we started, started getting that vibe like, this is a really similar to Modern Masters 2015 rather than everyone saying like, oh, it's it's Modern Masters 1. These are going to be like $400 a box because, you know, everyone figured it was just going to be jam-packed full of value. And as we went along, we kind of started having conversations of this is more like Modern Masters 2015. You have your, like, your top-heavy, most of like the mythics. You have a decent amount of good rares. And then I think the only real key difference here is what you said earlier, Seth, um, just a few minutes ago is there's there's definitely more of a pool of good uncommons that M twenty fifteen just yeah, Modern Master twenty fifteen just didn't have. Like there was just not anything to ground the E V of a pack. But it's good to see the boxes coming down that I think the E V article was really an eye opener to a lot of people and it's kind of what we were guessing all along here is that it just didn't feel like there was going to be like three or four hundred dollars worth of cards like or what people were charging for boxes three or three fifty at one point, it just didn't feel like there was that much value in there. Uh, you know, save from you know the pack lottery, which is exactly what Modern Masters twenty fifteen ended up being. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of saying that the whole time. <laughs> Even yeah. I felt kind of bad why everyone was freaking out on Monday about like, oh, this is so good. My prediction of like seven hundred dollar boxes is going to be true. I was like, well, just. Hang on a second. It's Monday. They tend to like give us all the good cards first. Uh, so, but I think you're exactly right. For me, like I said before, the big thing I'm thankful for is better commons and uncommons. Yeah. And the other thing, I think, in some sense, the set is a success, even though the EV isn't great. 
because a lot of cards are significantly cheaper than they were before this happened. Like yeah. some of the most expensive cards, if you want a Crocus, if you want a Mana Crypt, uh, a lot of the rares even too, like Baleful Strix, Shardless Agent, Toxic Deluge, uh, these cards are already a lot cheaper than they were. So it is going to help, especially Commander players, I think. Like those are cards that maybe a Legacy player needs one of, uh, a Crocus or something, or if you're playing Vintage for some reason. But this set is going to help out Commander players. And there's some exciting new foils for the Legacy community as well. So yeah. I think even though the EV isn't great for cracking boxes, I feel like Eternal Masters is a success because it has dropped prices. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, for a while there, it was kind of interesting. Like, the pre-order prices were exactly the current market value of the cards. And I was like, well, that's a little weird. <laughs> but I guess, like, I don't know. I guess you have to try, at least. You got to try to shoot the shot, right? <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it's overall a success. Obviously, there's going to be some glaring omissions, like you said, Richard. It's kind of crazy that the one card that a lot of Moto players were on their edge of the seat for uh, Rashad Port. Well, now even Paper Magic players are going to be paying the price because it already has increased since it wasn't uh, included. Uh, I don't know if it's just going to continue to increase. My bet is yes. So we might get to see. We might even see like $200 paper Rashad imports at some point because, I mean, who knows when the next time it's going to get reprinted, right? I mean, it sounds crazy, but when's it going to get reprinted next? Maybe Conspiracy 2? I wouldn't hold my breath. Um, maybe, uh, you know, I did have the conversations. I don't know if either of you agree. Maybe some of the cards that were omitted, you know, we, we have seen in Conspiracy 1 stuff like Exploration, Stifle, some some key notable legacy uh reprints in a, in a set like that maybe we get to see a couple of those but i don't think it's going to be you know to the point where you know conspiracy 2 is the stuff that didn't get into eternal masters you know like dot set you know it's not going to be we're going to get maybe a few and then you know just be happy with that uh again overall i i really liked it i think green really i don't and and it begs the question Maybe it's just because Eternal Masters, because you have such a large pool of cards. I mean, you have like 20-some-odd years. Maybe it doesn't pertain to Modern Masters. But I was having this discussion, like, I understand we, we have, like, the limited environment. We have to, we have to make the, they have to make the set towards that. And I get that. Um, and that's why we kind of see some of these rarities shifting. But, like, something just feels off. Like, Imperius Perfect and Heritage Druid as a rare... It's like I just just that just doesn't feel great. So the question I ask you guys, I have a couple questions. Um, do you feel like maybe just because it's Eternal Masters, do you feel like since there's such a large card pool, if you need a rare for this set, just find a rare in like the you know years of what this set like covers. If you need some don't like some janky rare, why don't you just find a janky rare in all the sets that you're covering? And instead of rarity shifting so much, like why don't you just find actual rares and uncommons to use? Like I understand if something like sinkhole, right? That should be like a rare these days. A force of will probably should be a mythic these days. But like cards like heritage druid, like if you need a rare to fill that role, like why don't you just find a rare? Like. Quirion Dryad or something like that. Like, where's Quirion Dryad? Like, I don't know. Let me flip it around on you, Jazz. If yeah. you could have no Heritage Druid or have it at rare, which would you pick? I guess, I mean, Heritage Druid to be included, but my I don't know. My feeling, it just feels wrong to have, like, so many cards, like, time-shifted just 
to have or a rarity shifted just to push an archetype like elves. Like, I don't know, maybe it's just Imperius Perfect and Heritage Druid, both that rare. It just feels wrong just because, like, we have him to Torak at Uncommon. You know, we have, like, so many things that we have Swords of Plowshares at Uncommon. Like, why it should Swords of Plowshares be a rare? Like, I, it just feels weird. Maybe it's just because they didn't just didn't care about green. I don't know. Like, I, I'm just voicing some frustration. I give my Heritage Druid at rare. It's a fairly powerful effect uh i don't know about uh imperious perfect that was really weird i i think the problem is since you're drawing cards from magic's history green cards kind of sucked yeah, right really like, I mean, like yeah, you got yeah, deathrite shaman yeah. tarmogoyf isn't eligible like that's it <laughs> right like you can't there's yeah. only so many green creatures like there you go werebear there you go <laughs> right like <laughs> we didn't have good creatures you have nimble mongoose like literally every green playable creature that's not tribal is represented so that's part of the problem i think like you just don't have really efficient beaters that we've come to know in you know magic today back then so you're kind of just stuck with these weird tribal cards and uh i guess your spells right like natural order green sun zenith right i would have liked to see berserk berserk would have been a cool include berserk i i thought berserk was a shoo-in yeah, so Berserk is the only card I'm really missing, but creature wise, I'm like, you, this is this is what magic was. This is it, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you don't have much. Yeah. yeah, and I and I think it evens out because probably for just as many green cards that were upgraded to rare, they were just as many dropped down to common that were rare. <laughs> so I think it evens out in the long run. Yeah, great green, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, but I guess no. Richard has a great point. Like this is displaying that. I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing, but uh, this is displaying that. I mean, green was a very weak color for a long time. I mean, I mean, you're, the highlight of green is what, like Rancor? Like, you know, like, <laughs> like you said, Richard, like this is it. Like the most notable green creatures that you could even think of in like any kind of eternal sense is in the set, you know? So I don't know. I guess you're right. Um, yeah, I guess overall it, it was it was really solid. Obviously, I think they're going to try for an Eternal Masters 2018. I think if maybe they'll like do uh, you know, odd number of years. You know, they'll have the Eternal Masters, the Modern Masters. I think it'll be an interesting t- uh, Modern Masters 20 or er, Eternal Masters 2018. But I have to ask you guys, like, I know there's this like, I guess there's maybe just for this set there was like this uh, design element of not putting in modern cards. At some point, I think they're going to have to break that, right? Like, they're going to have to, some point, start adding modern cards, right? And even that's not really true. I mean, Imperius Perfect, Heritage Druid, those are modern cards. Giant right. Solifuge. So I don't think they even held to it that strictly this time. But yeah, if you're going to try to make a real master set, you're going to have to include more than just old cards, especially for creatures, because creatures, you could easily fill a set with spells from the old days, but once you start trying to find creatures to fill out a set and play limited, you're either going to have a really bad set, or you're going to have to reach into more modern creatures, I think. Yeah. Um, So I guess another great question for both of you, I, I personally wouldn't, just because, I mean, I don't draft as much anyway, but... Is this a set that you would like to draft? Like, let's just say money's not an option. Is this a draft that you can look at and say, I'm excited to draft this? I think limited is going to be amazing. I think it's going to be, I'm hoping it's like close to Modern Masters 1 level good. There's a lot of unique archetypes, some really cool synergies, strong archetypes. And I think it's going to be a really great limited set. Just from looking over it, I obviously haven't played it yet. 
But I expect I will play it a lot on Magic Online and maybe even try to find a way to draft once or twice in paper, too, because it looks awesome to me. Yeah, if money was no concern, I'd definitely, because this is one of your rare chances to play with kind of the old cards. Like, when else would you play a Curdabe, right? You you get to play these iconic cards that uh, don't see play otherwise. So so definitely, uh, if money was no concern, given how expensive it is, then that's a, it's a different question at that point, right? Yeah. Like, let's just say money. Like, how many times would you definitely want to draft this? Like, at least once? I would do it at least once. But I don't, okay. I don't like, go crazy drafting a cube. Right, right, right. But right. it's got my interest. Good news for Magic Online players is they're going to have phantom drafts up the entire time. Oh, wow. Which essentially are like cube drafts, where if you can go two and one, you basically get all your play points back and they're cheap to enter. So if you just want to play and you're not really concerned about being able to keep a force of will that you open, it's a cheap way to actually play the format a lot without spending a lot of money. Right. So I I just wanted to kind of touch on a a few financial things just because you wrote the EV article, Seth, and, you know, we had some conversations. You did mention that a lot of the cards are coming down. Well, overall, it's just a success on the the standpoint that it's for draft, the standpoint that they've added a new supply to a lot of cards that just didn't have a lot of supply before, like like a card like Mana Crypt. Like, how, how many Mana Crypts were out there between a Judge promo and a Media insert? Like... Those were the only two official official printings of a Mana Crypt. So it's really great. I think overall, it's, again, very good. Obviously, you know, people can be critical. And, you know, it's it just kind of annoys me sometimes. Like, people can be critical about things and not bash the set. So while people want to sit there and say, oh, stop bashing the set. Like, we're not bashing the set. Like, we think it's really good. Obviously, we're going to be critical about it because that's how, you know, that's how wizard make that's how wizards makes better product. You have to be critical about things and and give them constructive feedback. Like why is Rashad important not in there? That would have been a really good one or something like that or just, you know, this that and the other thing. So it's just being critical, but in the in the financial end, you know, we talked about like how many mana crypts does a person need? Like, you know, to kind of justify these price drops and, you know, to to say to people that a lot of these cards are going to drop and it was kind of interesting. Again, I brought up the fact that a lot of stores were charging like current price. Like a lot of these cards, like even, you know, Sensei's and Isochron Scepter are going to drop significantly from these printings because, you know, whether people want to believe it or not, just uh, there's not a lot of demand for some of these cards already. You know, like a mana, maybe not mana crypt, uh, sort of like, I guess. How many mana crypts do you really need? Like, you need, what, one for EDH or a cube or something like that? Like, I'm not seeing, like, the $200 mana crypt that we originally thought in, in the last podcast that, oh, this is, like, the lottery right here. This is going to be, like, 100 You pull a mana crypt, it's, like, 150 bucks. Then, you know, Star City opens it up at, like, 60 bucks because, you know, again, I guess they're feeling, like, how many people do you need or, like, need a mana crypt as opposed to, like, a Tarmogoyf? Yeah, I mean, and I think that's true with a lot of the cards in Modern Masters. Right. Uh, most of those cards, there's exceptions. Like, you need a playset of Force of Will if you're going to play Legacy. Right, right. You need multiple Jaces. But a lot of the cards are more one of in Commander, or even if they're played in Constructed, they're not necessarily playsets. Or if they are playsets, they're playsets in like fringe archetypes like enchantress Mm -hmm. is something that is a four of in legacy enchantress but 
not that many people play Legacy Enchantress, exactly. so there's not that many people that are going to be buying them. So I think that that's the big difference. I expect a good portion of these cards are things that Commander players and Cubers are going to want one of, and then there's a small handful of exceptions that are going to be more like Tarmogoyf, the Force of Wills, and those type of cards that people actually are going to want play sets of. Yeah. Now, uh, just a question from your article. Um, you broke down like the foil EV, right? How how hard was that for you to navigate because of cards that were having the first print, like their first foil printing? Was that like a, a, a hard uh, challenge for you to overcome? Because it, it kind of is weird, like. You know, you're again. This this foil lottery is such it skews like these boxes in such a big way. It feels like because you could normally have like a box that would have been under EV, but if if you pull like a foil uh, force of will or a foil uh, you know gamble or something like that, just these these cards that uh, force of will was a bad example, but like gamble or something like that, where you haven't had a foil printing of these cards before, how? hard for you was that to kind of navigate through that and and it, it, you know add that to your equations well there's definitely a lot of guesswork in the foil section okay. and it's just unavoidable like no one's pre-selling they're not up on tcg player so it's pretty much just like working with multipliers and trying to take educated guesses yeah, for the most yeah. point the good news is as i think i mentioned in the article the foils are rare enough that even if I was off by 50% or 100%, everything was worth twice as much as I thought, it's not going to shift the value of the EV from, like, negative to positive. Just because even though you get a foil in every pack, you get maybe one or slightly over one foil rare. You get no foil mythics on average in a box. So I think the bigger ones that I was concerned about were things like pyroblast hydroblast brainstorm the lower rarity things that your odds of opening actually aren't that low and wondering how expensive those would be and i just really don't know i could see foil pyroblast being 30 40 50 dollars just because yeah. it's the only foil printing and it's really in demand for legacy there's a lot of two or three ofs in the sideboard type play for that card so yeah absolutely now uh you and richard uh, both i don't as much but uh, like i i've what at one point would like to get into it this whole uh popper format uh do you think these will kind of send ripple effects through the popper community with some of these older cards um being downshifted because th this happens in these master sets a lot and these these cards getting their first kind of common printing and, and are now legal in uh in popper for the first time uh does that like send ripples through the format or would that affect other cards uh, i know you mentioned something about like sunscape familiar is up something crazy on mtgo uh is that a huge factor at all or do you feel like uh the popper like format as a whole doesn't there's not really huge swings like that there's definitely huge swings in popper okay. but it's mostly on magic online we haven't right. seen as much of that happening in the paper world but there's definitely a lot of cards on magic online that are up uh 80 percent 100 percent 4000 percent in sunscape familiar uh based mostly on eternal masters but even without eternal masters popper is a very up and down format like price wise gotcha. more more so than most formats yeah we have seen that in like paper here and there but like you said not as much like uh something like chainer's edict or something like that which was downshifted to a common at one point 
Yeah, on in Vintage Masters, it was a common, which I think, as far as I understand, Pauper, a lot of playgroups use the Magic Online rarities for their paper groups. So it's an uncommon in paper, but because it's a common in Vintage Masters on Magic Online, it would be legal in a lot of playgroups. Gotcha. Um, I don't have any other uh, thoughts on uh, Eternal Masters. Again, I think it's overall great. It's it's good to see some of these cards back. Um, it's good to see new printings of cards that just didn't have a lot of supply out there. It's great to see some of these cards have the first foil printing. Uh, did you have any kind of final thoughts on, on the set as a whole, uh, Richard? Rashad and Port. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. A dual land is like 10 tickets, 20 tickets. Rashad and Port, 200. Yeah. <laughs> Save me. <laughs> and before we move along... You have to say something about the cons land, Seth. Like, that just, that's just so funny to me that you brought that up. And I, that was kind of something that I thought too. But it's just funny that you brought it up like that. Because I, I guess it's not as egregious to me. But then when you kind of said something, I looked at it. I was like, yeah, that is kind of like messed up. Like, why did they do that? Uh, all right. Well, obviously, <laughs> they put as the common land yeah, cycle, yeah. the gain lands from cons of Tarkir, yeah. which... I guess, whatever, you need some sort of dual lands for limited. <laughs> I was just taken aback because they were just in standard. You have Eternal Masters, and you have almost 25 years of lands to choose from, and you pick <laughs> the cons game lands of all things. Like, they have a ton of supply. Like, pick some random old cycle of lands. I don't really care which one. I'm just disappointed that they picked any land cycle at common from the last, like, couple years. <laughs> Does that bother you, Richard, too? <laughs> uh, it, it does. Like, there are just straight-up dual lands that are crappy and older. Like, put some in a new border, right? <laughs> like, get get us on some other planes that we haven't seen, you know. But, you know, here, have some KTK, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ending on a high note, the KTK. <laughs> uh, let's talk some fish mail, and I, I think that should wrap up the cast. All right, we got a ton of fish mail this week, so thank yeah, you for everyone do. for sending them in. Uh, but we're going to have to go quick. Uh, so uh, forget Eternal Masters. We're talking about Kaladesh here. <laughs> what are the chances of allied colored pain lands in Kaladesh? Uh, would keep Thought Not Seer and friends all relevant, should I spec? This is from is for Junior on Twitter. That would be interesting. I don't uh, I don't see how, like, Carpus and Forest would be uh, in Kaladesh, but what is that? Maybe that's, am I wrong? I don't know. Maybe they would just like print them as a new like name. I don't know, I guess. Uh, but yeah, that's interesting because we don't have core sets where these would normally be because it doesn't matter if they're from different planes. I, I don't know. I think that's like just real baseless speculation. I mean, I don't even know. I have no idea. I mean, I, again, I wouldn't even... We haven't seen a single card. All we know is that it's basically on Kaladesh. We talked about this like come some cast ago. I mean, Richard and and everyone here were like, that, I mean, we they had the announcement day, but we still don't know like basically anything about Kaladesh. So, I'm gonna say very unlikely, and you shouldn't spec. And that there's plenty of colorless lands, Westville Abbey, all the ones from Oath of the Gatewatch. Right. That if you need to make colorless mana to cast Thought Not Seer, you're gonna be able to do it. And I'm personally kind of sick of pain lands and hope we don't see them again. They've been in standard long enough, I think. Yeah. All right. Uh, next from at Adrazian. 
with the new four color commanders, what do you think about Shocklands as a spec? Uh, three color decks use three, four color decks will use seven. I mean, I, I guess if it was any kind of new interest in Shocklands, this would be it. I just really don't know if that still might you know, increase the price. There's just a ton of Shocklands out there. And presumably we're going to have a Modern Masters set be, uh, coming up this year in 2017. I guess, again, presumably. I don't know for sure. But, I mean, it could very well happen that they're all in this Modern Masters set all over again. I wouldn't want to spec on them based on Commander. But go ahead, Richard. I was just saying, like, usually it's not as competitive. You know, having a evolving wilds versus a shock land is at the end of the world and you know i think modern would uh affect shock lands more than like anything from commander ever would i mean couldn't you make the same argument for the original duels like everyone's gonna need seven of those now instead <laughs> right, of yeah, exactly, instead yeah. of three <laughs> yeah and I, I don't think everyone's gonna be running out and you know buying like fifteen hundred dollars worth of uh <laughs> you know, dual lands so i mean maybe i guess if if anything, uh, I guess the advice here would be if you need them for EDH com or, com you know, Commander, grab them because, you know, who knows? If if it turns out to be correct and they do go up a little bit, at least you're saving yourself some some uh, some money by just grabbing them now while they're, I guess, cheap, cheaper. At Tom Simons, will the book promo Mana Crypt hold over $100 long term? Whew. <sighs> So the book promo. Yeah, that's the one with the really old border, right? I think it's a, a slam dunk. For me, it's yeah. so rare and old that I think that falls into, like, they reprint alpha cards, random ones, and the originals don't lose their value because they're just so rare and old and desirable as collector's items. And I think Mana Crypt will maintain its price because of that. Yeah, absolutely. At Streakus, why do the dual decks come with Planeswalkers that are on their way out in six months. When does Of Nixilis and Nissa come out? September? Uh, end of August, I think, yeah. End of August. If you go to the site, and it's kind of crazy that this site is, <laughs> it needs to exist. What's in standard.com? I, I mean, I think I reference that more often than I, <laughs> I feel I should have to. But uh, I don't think, I think Of Nixilis and Nissa voices Endicar are going to be in standard for still quite some time after August. I think that they last until spring. Uh, my opinion is, and I've written about this before, is that Wizards intentionally puts Planeswalkers who are nearing rotation in dual decks as a way to get more value out of them before they right. go off. No one's going to buy Obnixilis because it's legal and modern, because no one cares. It's not <laughs> playable in the format. But it's another way you can sell a product with those cards before they rotate from standard and become valueless. So that's yeah. my take on it. Yeah, and, and, and just to piggyback on that, there are some interesting cards that they do include that are like random reprints. I mean, we've seen Remand in, in some of these dual decks, so it's not all bad. You know, it's a cool new foil promo. It turns out that Nissa Voices Zendikar is pretty good in modern, at least. Uh, but, you know, and again, like for people that want, you know, these interesting new art promos, the foil, you know, I think that's really the goal rather than, you know, oh, here's, you know, some standard cards. All right. At Lotsa Palaka, if price was no barrier, would the modern meta skew more towards Jund slash anti-Jund? No, uh, no, yeah, I don't, I don't think if people want to play Jund, they're gonna play Jund. Like, well, it's the price, right? <laughs> 
Right, but I mean, like if we look at large events, I mean, people who want to bring Jund are bringing Jund. Well, I was going to say that if you look at a pro tour, that's a pretty good example because right. price is no object. Like those players can play whatever deck they think is best for the tournament. And it's not Jun versus anti-Jun. So maybe, like, on a local level, level, maybe some people don't play Jun because it's expensive. That makes sense. But I don't think if price was no object, that's what the format would be, just because that's not how the format is when price is no object. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no anti-Jun. You can't. You can't. You can't <laughs> do that. It's like a 50-50 deck for a reason. You can't like, do Like, lingering that. souls and rest in peace or something. It's not even that bad. So everyone out there, you can't do that. Don't bring your anti-Jun <laughs> decks to play Richard, okay? It doesn't. That's not going to happen. Oh, every time I see Lingering Souls, I want to cry. Uh, <laughs> at Natty Cat, uh, where do you see the price settling for Narset Enlightened Master post-rotation? Want her for casual, but not at $12. Enlightened Master? Wait, Is that the six-mana one? That's the EDH one, right? Yeah. That's, it's... 92 no. cents yeah so right, right now it's out. currently 92 cents so i would say go for we're it. assuming the planeswalker one okay transcendence probably about 10 bucks right now right yeah transcendence about 12 so the planeswalker oh well i i would just wait for uh rotation and i would expect it to be five to eight dollars i don't know yeah that's yep. my guess you'll save yourself you know four or five bucks i think all right, uh, at Henry Quintana, how long after EMA release should I wait until to buy singles to get cards at their lowest? I wouldn't wait too long, but I, I think the initial first few weeks um, is is pretty much prime time to grab stuff. I'm just going off Modern Masters 2015 prices uh, from what I remember, and from I mean I tracked a lot of that. That first month is really like the very big initial dip. All right. Let me, let me add on to this and you can answer it, Seth, because the next question from at Real Tapwater, uh, what's the best time to buy non-staple Eternal Masters cards? <laughs> Sweet foils, but steering clear of Force of Will, Wasteland, etc. So would the answer for foils be the same as what Chaz said? Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's true. Although if you're looking at non-staples, yeah. you have a lot longer of a window. Those cards don't typically recover very quickly. So it's not as much of a rush to get them in the first month or two after release. Uh, for non-staples, I expect most of those to stay cheap for years, for, for a long time. If they're not really staples that aren't really played, uh, heavily anywhere. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I mean, look at exploration and stifle. Now, I understand like conspiracy is a huge supply uh, in comparison, but yeah, I mean, just a lot of these fringe. I mean, Seth, you you said this earlier, and I agreed with you. Uh, like these fringe, like Argothian enchanters and stuff like that, they they will drop considerably. And and you're right, they it takes quite a long time for them to rebound, if ever. I I think what I'm trying to say is there's no bad time to get your foil call the skybreaker any, <laughs> yeah, any yeah, time yeah. Plot, it's gonna be cheap <laughs> yeah yeah exactly at ziggy mondays since watsy supposedly were not fond of fetches and standard what is their best avenue to reprint the zendikar fetches they're gonna reprint them in standard there's too much money to be made eventually oh. they will do it and they will be reprinted in standard and the mistake wasn't fetches it was putting fetches and fetchable duels in the same format yeah you do have a point there because they were pretty cheap for quite some time when there was nothing to get. Like, what were you getting? Basics? All right, that's fine. I mean, it's still you're still going to play fetches, but they weren't 
their almost old prices before you know when when the Zendikar fe- uh, dual lands came out, uh, the battle lands. They were like you know nine ten bucks. And the big deal was you only needed four of them. You play a deck, right. you play your four fetches. Then when the duels came out, everyone was playing 12 to 15 fetches, which is why you had $800, $1,000 standard decks. We had yep. fetches in standard for nine months or something before Battle for Zendikar, and the format was averagely priced. It wasn't any different than Shocklands. You spend 10 bucks on a play set of Shocklands, or 10 bucks each to get your Shocklands for standard, or 10 bucks each to get your Fetchlands for standard. There was really no difference there. It was the same deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, what, what Wooded Foothills was like seven bucks. You know, it, it, exactly. It was like a shock uh, when they reprinted them in, in Ravnica. So, yeah, I think you're right, Seth. If if not standard, you know, take your pick. I don't think it would be crazy to put them in a commander product. They they seem like the kind of cards they could milk in Modern Masters for oh, several printings, like they do with Tarmogoyf, like release mm-hmm. a few in Modern Masters, uh, the price stays the same. The next Modern Masters do it again. So they could go that route. But I think there's just too many boxes to sell by putting them in a big fall set or a big spring set eventually. Yeah. At Super Psycho, right now Days is crashing on Moto. Is it worth waiting for the new price? 30 ticks to play set right now. Uh, As opposed to paying 30 per car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I think it's going to go down a little bit more while the set's being opened, but I wouldn't be surprised if six months from now, 30 bucks or 30 takes a place at is what the price is at, or possibly even more than that. I think it'll rebound like Path to Exile, like Dismember, like Remand and other master sets, but I think it'll go down while the drafts are firing in a few weeks. All right. Uh, at Corbin GDog69, just played my first Grand Prix. Turnover very long because lots of matches went to turns. Do people often play too slow? I've heard, I'm starting to hear this more and more, uh, especially from like the pro community too, that they've always kind of started asking, maybe this is something that's been happening for quite some time, but I usually, it kind of goes away and then kind of comes back as as like a big thing. And uh, they always feel that uh, judges are very too lenient, wait, too lenient on slow play. Um, And... You know, yeah, I guess this is something that uh, I hear from time to time from the pro community. The thing is, though, it only takes one match going to time for the whole tournament to wait, right? Right. So I don't know, unless you're somehow going to keep every match from going to time, which doesn't seem possible, rounds are going to be long. Yeah, there's no way to avoid it. Like, there's going to be a control mirror somewhere in the hundreds of matches every round. And even if the two players are playing lightning fast, it'll go to time. So, uh, this is the consequence of having lots of people playing at the same time. You got to wait for the very last person to finish, right? Yep, that is something you sign up for, right? From at Jive, why is Wizards Magic so greedy compared to Hearthstone? It's Blizzard Entertainment. Makes it hard to get into Magic. Okay, this is not really a question, but... Yeah, yeah. uh, it's not really a question, but... commentary. (laughs) But, uh, different business model, right? Like... One is a collectible card game, one is a digital yeah. card game. I don't think that you can really compare Magic Online and Hearthstone just because the models are so different. So I don't yeah. think it's fair to just be like, oh, Wizards is being greedy. Because Hearthstone, that's all sunk costs. Like, you never can get that money back. On Magic Online, that's not the case. So I think you need to look deeper than just, oh, packs cost $4 or this costs that amount. you got to look deeper and see... 
if you cash out your Magic Online collection, like how do the costs compare then? And I think it would be more favorable uh, than you would expect in comparing the two games. Yeah, I mean, even paper to go even further than that. I mean, it's a whole it's it's a whole economy. Uh, it's been cultivated for you know what twenty years. So they're two totally different games. Like when it comes to that, like like Seth, you had a great point. I mean, Hearthstone, you spend money, that's it. Like you're you uh, yes, you own the cards forever. But you're not getting that, you know, you're not getting that money back. It's it's just totally a sink. And while you get to keep the cards, and that's great, you never have to worry about getting specific cards in Hearthstone again. Short of, I guess, selling your Blizzard account, which I don't even know is against the terms of service, or I'm sure it is, but it is. Um, yeah, I'm sure it is. But um, short of doing that, I mean, you're not getting that investment back. At least in Magic, you have some sort of return on this hobby where. You know, you're spending all this money and, you know, you could sell it to someone who loves magic or whatever for some sort of return. And they don't officially recognize that, but it is something that they have known for quite some time. They definitely know about it. And again, it's just it's this economy that they've cultivated for quite some time. As someone that has played since, you know, for like half my life, more than half my life, I don't know where the greedy term comes from because in my day, we didn't have you know, dual decks and uh, commander products and modern master sets and all these supplemental products. And now we're getting these planeswalker sets. We didn't have all that. Like, if you wanted a card, you weren't thinking that there was going to be a reprint, you know, two years down the line. You just kind of thought, well, this is my only chance to buy these cards. Like, you know, Spirit Monger or something like that. Like, that's it. Like, I don't know when they're going to, when they're going to reprint. Like, Rashad and Port, like, whoever thought, you know, these are never getting reprinted ever again. Turns out they never did, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where this greedy thing is coming from. I mean, there's 20 million players. It's a paper market and an online market. You know, I think they are starting to balance this very well. And to get these supplies of cards out to the, you know, the the public and the, the player base of this game. And, you know, they have to do it kind of in a, in a meticulous way. They can't just crash prices and then we get like a homelands kind of scenario again everyone just gets mad anyway uh tristan from the uk uh why are bfz prices so low online there are no rares over one ticks apart from the land is it just a bad set or were there loads of cards opened uh a little from column a a little from column b i think and it's worth noting that there's not that many rares worth over a ticket on Magic Online from any set. That's mm-hmm. not where the value was found. If you look at Shadows over Innistrad right now, I'm counting one, two, three, five rares that are worth more than a ticket out of Shadows over Innistrad. So that's just part of how the, the Magic Online economy works. The value is normally concentrated in the Mythic rares, and that's just part of how Magic Online functions. Yep. Uh, from David C, what do you think the long-term prospects for Startled Awake are? After all, Archive Trap and Glimpse the Unthinkable are both incredibly expensive for their in-game value. Startled is also a mythic. Uh, I'm assuming it would take quite some time for that to start gaining some traction in price, but um, I think one thing to note is, like, I understand... You know, there's a casual and commander market where, you know, people love these mill cards. But at the end of the day, they still have to be good. You know, like they still have to be good cards. Like Glints of the Unthinkable, 
is a really good card. I mean, you're getting the return on two mana for ten cards or whatever it is. Um, I mean, that's just a good card. I don't know if people think Startled Awake is so good that, you know, does it have a flavor appeal? Is it cool? Obviously, yes, it's great. Uh, it still might gain some value over time. But, again, these cards still have to be very good uh, to attract like that kind of crowd. I think the bigger problem for me is that the buy-in point is just too high. Right now, yeah. it's still like almost $4. Yeah. And if it was a dollar in a bulk rare, I would be saying, oh, that's probably going to end up being four or five bucks. I would buy some copies. But at $4, I have a hard time seeing it end up being 8 or $10 in the near future. I think you're going to be waiting a long, long time. It could get there eventually if it's never reprinted. But I don't know if it's worth having your money sit there for that long uh, for it to actually appreciate in value. Yep. All right. Uh, from Lucas, uh, I have an MSRP box of Eternal Masters. Insane value, crack, or hold? I guess it depends on how much less supply there is than Modern Masters 2015. But, I mean, I mean, if you look at Modern Masters 2015, I mean, boxes are still out there. For MSRP, it's pretty easy to grab one. That might change as we go along. Year, you know, every year is another year out from release. I mean, my my expectation is you probably have to wait at least a few years for sure to get some sort of movement. And that's just a, I guess that's just a personal preference. Me, I think I'll just crack it. Yeah, I mean, I think it could end up being worth something in the long run, but I think you're going to be waiting quite a while at least a year and maybe like three years and cracking packs is fun so i'm gonna play the lottery and just hope i get lucky personally yeah hey guys random question this is from tomaz who has told me how to pronounce his name but his instructions are unclear <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a it's a z at the end but he says it's pronounced like an s in vision so tomas tomaz like, I, I don't I can't pronounce S in vision at the end. <laughs> so Tomage. I apologize, Mr. T. Tomage. Tomage. We, we need better instructions. We are phonetically challenged. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you would be in charge of the magic movie, what storyline slash plane slash characters would you center the plot around and who would you cast? Oh. How good are you guys on your Vorthos and Hollywood stars? Oh man, I don't know if we could spend like we could spend like thirty minutes on this, but I um I have no idea. I would say, you know, for a movie perspective and just like thinking in that sense, I don't know if you can really go back and say like, oh, you know, here's like Urza and all that. Like, while that would be really awesome to older players like us, like, but. I think they would have to start with, like, the Gatewatch, you know? Like, that just seems like more of a movie, you know, Hollywood movie-type storyline. Like, the Gatewatch, and you have these, like, Eldrazi, you know, you have a little bit of, uh... You have a little bit of, like, Captain America Civil War, you have a little bit of, uh... Says show, uh, Attack on Titan, you have, you have all that, and you're just thrown into a movie. I, the Rock... Uh, I, I would cast Dwayne wait, Johnson... What? Who's The Rock gonna be? <laughs> Would be Obnixilis. It's like Tarmogoyf? (laughs) (laughs) Dwayne Johnson would be my Obnixilis. That's all I know. I have I have no clue. I don't I don't keep up on the Vorthos stuff or on what's going on in Hollywood enough to have a a reasonable opinion on this question. 
Yeah, uh, I would cast what's her name that plays uh, Black Widow as Chandra. Scarlet. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, Scarlet Johansson as Chandra. I don't even know. That's about all I got. Dwayne, the, Dwayne Johnson and Scarlett Johansson is wh- where I'm at right now. I don't know who would be Jace. I don't know who's Nyssa. I don't know who's Gideon. Maybe Hugh Jackman could be Gideon. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> He's like kind of grizzled. Oh, He's kind of like, dear. you know, you just... I would, I would sit him down and be Hugh, like... Hugh Jackman's the guy from Bear Punch. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, like, listen, I'd be like, listen, Hugh. You know that guy, like, you know, you, you play, like, Wolverine a lot. Just play, like, play that character in this movie. <laughs> and you're Gideon. Yeah. Uh, I actually think the Urza story is actually the better story. Um, I, I would actually think, like, a more serious story would be very good. Like, th- there's a lot of intrinsic mystery, right? Like, what is mana? And, like, what is the Planeswalker? And the whole, like, Yogmoth Urza story would be totally awesome. But they're not going to do that. They're going to cop out. They're going to make a flashy superhero movie with lots of CG. And that's going to involve the Gatewatch probably against Aljazi. And it's going to be bad. <laughs> what? It's going to be so bad. You know it's going to be oh. bad. They're, they're not going to have the budget to, to do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, no, probably not. Yeah, well, it'll, it'll probably be bad. For actors, I would prefer if they went like the Force Awakens route and just chose no names. Uh, like, you know, I, I don't want to see Wolverine playing Gideon or something, right? Because you're going to be like, hey, it's Wolverine. Hugh Jackman <laughs> is Wolverine, so you can't put him in another role. So just get no-name people to to play these that are good, kind of like The Force Awakens, right? Like upcoming stars that you've never seen before. Right. What about a comedy? What if they surprised oh, us all God. and it was like a comedy? Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> it could be good. Like an Adam Sandler comedy. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Have you guys seen the Dungeons no. & Dragons movie? That was terrible. I haven't even seen it, but I've heard terrible things about it. It was terrible. And they had to write to, to write terrible things about it. I'm expecting this to go that way. <laughs> oh, man, I, I would really? be surprised if it was oh. like the Dark Knight fell into our laps. Right? I would be very surprised. Well, well... I mean, I think I think the correct way. I, I mean, obviously, like I, I agree with you, Richard. Like the Urza story and all that. Like the the prior stories are the more interesting ones, and probably would make a better movie. But I, I think like if I was to take this as a lead and like to, to go whole, go the whole movie route. I mean, I would just emulate Marvel. Like I just that it works. Like you have characters that are similar to a Marvel superhero. And not, not, I don't think that's necessarily wrong to go that route. I don't know if it'll be good, but I don't think it'd be wrong to be like, hey, let's just emulate like what Marvel's doing. We have planeswalkers, we have a bad guy, we have like giant monsters, so you know. But they actually have stories. Like, no actual planeswalker has a real story. I got bad one day and my spark ignited, and here we are. Like, that's all of them, right? So. <laughs> uh. Actually, you know what would be interesting? What what if they did, like, actually, like, magic origins, and they just, the origin story of all the planeswalkers, and then they do the gate watch, and that's the end of it, but, and then you do, like, the next magic movie is the Eldrons. I don't know, you could do something like that. I don't know if that would be interesting, but, you know, action-packed, 
you have Eldrazi, you have Planeswalkers, you know, you have a little bit of a backstory on the Planeswalkers, they all show up, don't know if that'll be good or not, but then you just, boom, you're just fighting all the Eldrazi the whole time, just spells flying everywhere, you know. Yeah. More, Michael more Bay? Question. <laughs> Michael Bay, just explosions, the, the very first scene is just an explosion. <laughs> and you don't actually know why, and then you just, you just go proceed from that point. Scarlett Johansson comes out as Shadja, yeah. and then and that's just, the start like, of the movie. <laughs> stuff's just blowing up everywhere, just going nuts. Fireballs, you got like green mana, growing trees. You know, Nissa's like growing like giant like elemental monsters, and they're like clashing with Eldrazi. Okay, wait, wait. Here, here's the real question: Do you think we'll see iconic? characters slash creatures that are not the planeswalkers will we see a tarmogoyf come out and nab gideon <laughs> will, will we see <laughs> I, don't, I don't know a shivan dragon come down and spew flat fire on someone well, we're on zendikar so we have allies oh this is terrible we're just gonna see like <laughs> generic elves like lord of the yeah, rings generic elf ally you, you see yeah Goblins. exactly like is this guy an ally or not i can't tell <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh yes yes that's that's the movie you telling if generic goblin is an ally or not more importantly are we actually gonna see a magic movie i, I have heard we have to very little about it recently i think we have to i i might be on like the super back burner and maybe that's why we haven't like heard anything because it's like super back burner. but i, I mean I know Blizzard has, like, an insane amount of money and all that, like, yeah, you know, and Warcraft is, like, definitely more story-driven, but, like, you gotta get out there, man. You gotta have something. I don't know. Even if it's, like, a a C+. plus, You know, that's just a start. You know what they actually should do? They should make, like, a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, an animated... Like, like, an anime Planeswalker. Like, that would actually make sense. That probably would actually be a lot better. I, I... Richard, that's a great idea. I think that'd be much better. And then you, you know, that's kind of like your setup. Then you have the movie. You know, you see how that does. You know, you get the feedback, and then you know maybe you take elements from that, and that's where your movie is—the Gatewatch or something like that. Yeah, because I can't see like random person who's never heard of magic going to watch magic. Like, why would right. you just not watch Avengers Five, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> X Men Eighteen or whatever, right? Like, why would you go? Like, what, what's a planeswalker? Like, what is going on, right? Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know, Richard. The same people that go and see the Jungle Book. What? I don't. Hey, that, that was a classic. <laughs> that's a classic Disney movie. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. I don't know. Whoever. I don't know. Some awful movie. You know, people will see anything. I think. Yeah, us. <laughs> we'll go see it. <laughs> we'll be on podcast complaining about it, and then that'll be it. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's how I would do it. I don't know if that's the correct way, but that's how I would do it. All right, but wizards, if you're listening, I'm joking. If there's a magic premiere, please invite me. <laughs> I, I want to be the wizards, first one yeah, to sit there. Fly the crew out. We'll actually before you get the movie started. Hot, you know, send us three out there. We'll we will consult you about this movie. Advanced Wait, screeners, yes, please. Put us in the movie. <laughs> yeah. We we can be the characters. Forget the actors. <laughs> Chaz, you can be. Uh... I'll be Gideon. Oh, I wanted Gideon. All right, you get. Yeah, you have a beard. <laughs> You're Gideon. Uh, they'll have to put a hell of a lot of prosthetics on me and makeup, but I guess I could be Omnixilis or Jace. No, Richard will be Jace. He likes blue. Richard's Jace, and yeah, there you go. Could work. 
Okay. All right, that's it. Uh, yeah, so yeah, everyone, thank you for sending those in. I think that is about it for this cast. We will see you guys uh, next time. Uh, enjoy your, your Memorial Day. This has been recorded on Memorial Day, so enjoy it. Um, and yeah, this is the crew signing out.